We are stagnant in our walk with God and God is telling us to wake up. Do you know that it is serious when God begins to give the elders visions and dreams? I shared three weeks ago that our sister Carmen, and I believe she is the eldest of our church, God spoke to her in a dream. He led her to the doors of the church, and he said, open the doors and tell me what you see. And in her vision, she opened the doors, and she said, God, I see everyone asleep. That should scare us. It should force us to evaluate where we are with God. We're not just preaching about waking up because it sounds cool or whatever. We're talking because God is speaking to our church. He wants us to wake up, and we have to be awake to fulfill what he has called us to do. Amen. Amen. So a college guy takes a picture a framed picture of his girlfriend to uh, one of those like photo studio places. And he goes in there and he says, listen, um, I need you to make a copy of this photo for me. And the guy in the studio says, okay, you know, no problem. I'm, I got to take it out of the frame. He's like, all right, take it out of the frame. It's all good. So he takes it out of the frame and the guy notices that in the back of the picture, it was dedicated. And it said, it said, my dearest Tom, I love you with all my heart. I love you more and more each day. I will love you forever and ever and ever. I am yours for eternity. Love, Helen. P.S. If we ever break up, I want this photo back. <laughs> All right, let's, let's, not be, let's not be sexist. So we have, there's a man. And his name uh, is, let's say, Rob, right? His girlfriend's name is Susie. And he tells Susie, Susie, I love you so much to the ends of this earth. I would climb the highest mountain and cross the, the, the driest deserts. I would sail the stormy seas. Nothing will hold my love back for you. I'll see you on Sunday unless it rains. And the last one I want to say is that there's a choir director, and this choir director was frustrated. Erica, this choir director, she was frustrated. She was frustrated because of the sporadic attendance of her choir members for the rehearsals of the Christmas choral concert. This is a Christmas concert. This is a big deal. And she's upset. She's upset because her attendance is you get a third, just like it kind of is today, the half the church isn't here right now because of the Eagles playing later, but, but, but the thing is that at the final uh, rehearsal, she announced, I want to personally thank the piano player in front of everyone because the piano player did not miss one rehearsal. Give it up for the piano player. Give it up for the piano player. Yeah, woo! The piano player got up, he took a bow, he says, thank you, thank you, thank you. He says, listen, you know, it was the least that I could do, considering I won't be at the concert tonight. (laughs) Commitment! 
Commitment. We are talking about waking up. The first series, the first sermon was waking up in truth, understanding what is the truth. The word of God is absolute truth. Then we talked about waking up in faith. It's something to know about God. It's something to have faith in God and living that out. And we need to wake up and live out that faith. But today, we're talking about wake up, church. Awaken our commitment. One, two, three. Because nobody wants to talk about commitment. Awaken our commitment. A lack of commitment is something that is running rampage. And it's, 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 it's all over. Look around you everywhere. You see examples of the opposite of what commitment is. People uncommitted to things, uncommitted to theories, uncommitted to faith, uncommitted to relationships. You just see it everywhere you look, everywhere you look. Uncommitted to teams. Some of y'all just, I mean, y'all committed to the Eagles, but when it comes to y'all coaches, you guys are vicious. You love them today. Listen, you guys are like the people when when Jesus rode into Jerusalem. Oh, the Messiah, the Messiah, and then later crucify him. That's what y'all do to y'all coaches. You love them this year. Next year, let's see what happens. Or your quarterbacks. Y'all vicious too. Y'all love them now. Yo, commitment, commitment. People do not truly stand for anything these days or even committed to anything. They're blown around like the like leaves are in a windstorm, right? Going from place to place. There's a saying that says if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything, anything. And that's the problem. The problem is that you guys, and I say you guys, I say us, we, we all sometimes are finding it hard to make a commitment, to say yes. And what happens is if you do not make a commitment and say yes, then the world will make that commitment for you. And if they make that commitment for you, then where that commitment leads to is eternal damnation. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. You need to make a decision to be committed to following Christ. If not, the world will make a commitment for you. Commitment is the state or quality of being dedicated to a cause, dedicated to an activity, to something. Devoted, dedicated. What are you committed to today? Think about it. What are, what are you committed to today? We could truly use in this world a good dose of commitment, but commitment to Christ. Commitment, dedication, devotion, allegiance, you know, loyalty, fidelity, whatever you want to call it, we need it. If we want to get back on track, if we want to get back on track in our relationship with the Lord, if we want to see his hand move in a powerful way here at Lighthouse, right, then we need to be committed. We need to be committed. The way we live, the way we have to commit our lives and our ways to God, right? It's okay. She wants to hear about commitment. She's like, I'm trying to hear about commitment. She's committed to her cause right now. The church needs to wake up. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about waking up, waking up. But right now, the church has a disease. And we're going to, go talk, we're going to talk more about diseases that affect the church when we go into our body series, right? But right now, the, the church has a disease of apathy and complacency. 
The American church, American Christians, I can't speak for other parts of the world because even when I have gone to other parts of the world and I see the faith that some of these Christians have in third world countries, they put us to shame, to be honest, to be honest. So here in America, Christians have gotten comfortable. We've gotten spoiled, right? Spoiled in the process. We come, we say, Erica, sing to me, Erica, sing to me. (laughs) She should only be singing to Elvin, all right? She's not here to sing to you, all right? Pastor, talk to me. Tell me what God wants. Mm, I don't know. Listen, what you're hearing on Sundays should be, first of all, it should be confirmation of what God is doing in your life, confirmation of what God is doing in this church. You should be following up and studying and meditating and chewing on it throughout the whole week because God's got much more to say than he does in 45 minutes. I'm just giving you like a highlight, and you guys throughout the week, study it, read it, and then you'll see how much more he'll tell you. Mm. It doesn't happen overnight. Complacency is a disease that sneaks up, so it sneaks up on you. We got to wake up. We have to wake up. Romans 13, 11 to 14 says, this is all the more urgent for when you know how late it is, time is running out. Wake up for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and or and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy instead clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires it's time to wake up and get serious about our commitment with God if we want things to change because some of y'all are like I've been praying and things don't change in my life and I don't see God doing nothing if you want to see God move in your life in a powerful way it starts, right, with fully trusting and committing ourselves to God. It's easy to say, hey, God, do this for me real quick. Yeah. Hey, God, can you do this for me real quick? You have, all right. King David wrote in Psalms 37, 1 to 6, he says, Don't worry about the wicked or those who do wrong. For like grass, they will soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they will soon wither. Trust in the Lord and do good and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do. Commit everything you do. Commit everything you do. Commit everything you do to the, um, to, uh, to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn, and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Thank you, Jesus. Fortunately, right, fortunately, and not coincidentally, because it wasn't coincidence, but fortunately, God has plenty of examples throughout his word of people who have expressed complete and total commitment to God. And we can look in the Bible and see what happens in the lives of those that are fully committed to God. If we go to the Old Testament, we see that Ruth, she committed herself completely to Naomi, Right? If you guys know the story of Ruth, Ruth leaves her homeland. She leaves everything that she knows. She leaves it all because she marries Naomi's son. But then what happens? What happens to that dude right there? He dies. 
So now, technically, Ruth could go back home if she wants to. She's released in the eyes of the law, of the culture, right? And so what happens is she chooses, no, I've committed myself to this family. I've committed myself to you. So I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay by your side. We see, we see the story of Daniel taken into captivity in Babylon at a young age. Young age, a young man. Because, you know, the problem is people say, I'll be committed when I get older. When I, when I get older, when I live out my youthful years, when I'm older, then I'll commit. The example we see here was that it was a young man, Daniel, and he was committed in his youth to God. So committed that when he was taken to this foreign land, he refused to eat the foods of that land. He refused to worship the pagan gods of that land. He was committed no matter what. There are others, right? We go look, look at the New Testament. John the Baptist, fully committed to God, fully committed to truth, to the point where he called out the king and his adulterous ways. I mean, that's gangster right there. When you, when you tell the king that you wrong and you're an adulterer and all that, Right? It ultimately cost him his what? His life. His head on a plate. Commitment. How about Stephen? Stephen preached to the Jews. He told them what they did to Jesus. He says, you guys crucified the Messiah. How'd they take it? They stoned him. It cost him his life. Paul and Barnabas faithfully committed to their lives. They faithfully committed their lives to God, and they were preaching the message of salvation, even when they were facing opposition. And because they didn't care, and they were committed to preaching the truth, they were imprisoned. They were imprisoned because of their commitment to God and preaching of the good news. Paul was completely committed to God, even in his days. Even in his days, he went through, oh, man, Paul went through, he was persecuted, right? Oh, 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 let me, let me, before, I get, before I go further about what happened to Paul, let me tell you about Paul. Paul was so committed to God, right? Let me, let me say this. Let me say, Saul was so committed to God that he was persecuting Christians, followers of Christ, because of his commitment to God. Remember, Remember, you know who Paul was, right? He was one of the, one of the Pharisees, you know, one of the Pharisees. And, and so, so what happens is because of his commitment to his faith, he was persecuting followers of Christ because he did not know the truth yet. But when he was on his way to Damascus and Jesus met him on that road and blinded him and opened his eyes once again, changed his name. He was like, whoa, wait a minute. I'm even more committed now because I know the truth. Paul was a man of commitment from the beginning. From the beginning. Before he was Paul, he was committed. Paul goes through all sorts of things, and it doesn't change his commitment he went through natural disasters, right? <laughs> Hurricanes, storms, you know, shipwrecks, prison, you know, uh, assassination attempts. Like, he's gone through all of this. Some of y'all would have been like, uh, I'm done. I'm done. That first snake bite, some of y'all are like, oh, after this, uh-uh, I'm done. In each of these stories... In each of these stories of commitment, 
there, there's four things that we find in common. There's four things that we find in common with these, with these stories that will help us, if we apply them to our life, that will help us awaken our commitment to Christ. And I'm going to share. We start with number one. The first thing was that they made a deliberate decision. They each made a deliberate decision, committing themselves completely. If we go back to the Old Testament, the book of Numbers. Hey, Numbers, Pastor? Yeah, we're going to Numbers. Numbers, chapter 30, verse 2, it says, A man who makes a vow to the Lord or makes a pledge under oath must never break it. He must do exactly what he said he would do. Some of us need to make a vow. Someone else needs to make a, an oath. Some of us need to make a, a deliberate decision and commitment to God before God and stick to it. And stick to it. Stick, because, you know, the problem that we're facing these days is that nobody wants to commit to anything. Right? This didn't happen for real. I'm just using him as an example. But so Big E, I wanna, I say I want to hang out with Big E, and I'm like, yo, let's plan something for August, August 7th, because that's my birthday. August 7th, me and you, and he's like, ah, but that's in August, though. I mean, I don't know what's going to be going on in my life. At the moment. I was like, well, right now, what do you got planned? Well, nothing, but, well, then put it in the calendar, and now we have something. But what happens is we, there are so many people that are, are struggling to make a decision to say, you know what, I decide, yes, I'm going to do this. And what happens is we need, to, we need to make decisions, right? I am going to serve God. I am going to be faithful. I am going. Not, well, let me see how it goes, and when the time comes, I'll see what I'm doing. Because that's how a lot of people are living. Some, what, what's so hard? Put it in the calendar. What do you have right now? Nothing. Put it in there. Now you have something. Well, I don't know. That's three months from now. I'll see what happens when we get there. Because you don't want to commit. You don't want to say yes or no. Saying no is a commitment. It's saying you're not going to do something. You commit to not doing it. So yes or no, either one is still a commitment to something. Now, we need to say yes commitment to Christ and a no commitment to the enemy. You can't be committed to something unless you deliberately make the decision to be completely committed to it. Like, you got to make that decision. It doesn't happen by accident that you all of a sudden find yourself committed to something. It doesn't happen like that, you know? It doesn't happen that you're, by accident you're committed to another person or to an employer or to a relationship. Or even to God. You don't, <laughs> everyone that's married here, it didn't, you didn't wake up and be like, oh, oh, I'm married. <laughs> oh, I didn't know how that happened. <laughs> no, it was a relationship. It was talking back and forth. It was dating. It was going out. It was an attraction. There was an involvement there that developed. And then at one point, one of the two first was like, I want to commit my life to you. I want to commit the rest of my life to being with you. Right? And after that decision was like, no, I, I'm going to make that decision that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with you. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. Each of the people we mentioned, they made a decision. They made that decision. There's a story about Ronald Reagan when Ronald Reagan was, was a little boy. His mother took him 
to, look, this is how old the story is, right? His mother took him to one of those places that made shoes, like what they call them, the cob cobbler, shoe cobbler. And uh, when he gets there, uh, the, the cobbler, the shoemaker, he says, hey, do you, want, do you want squared off shoes or do you want the rounded shoes? Like, which ones do you want? And young Reagan was like, um, I don't know. I don't know which ones I want. And he said, okay, well, take a couple, you know, take some time and then let me know later. About a couple weeks later, he sees him in the town and he says, hey, did you decide what you want? And he said, you know what? I still haven't made a decision. He says, don't worry about it. I got you. He goes back and he says, hey, your shoes are ready. Come pick them up. When young Reagan went to pick up his shoes, he realized, he realized that one shoe was rounded and the other shoe was squared off. The shoemaker says, this will teach you to never let people make decisions for you. If you don't make your own decisions, somebody else will. We just talked about that. We just talked about that. If you are indecisive, listen, I get labeled a control freak in my family. I think I've mentioned this story before, but my whole family says I'm a control freak. But I'm not. I'm just a decisive person. And what happens is when my whole family gets together, my mom says she would like something. She doesn't know exactly what. My father says, whatever your mother wants. He doesn't have it. Right? And then, like, you know, Kevin may want something. Camille may want something. We all have. We, and, and then finally, I got to be like, all right, well, this is what we're going to do. Because if not, we all starve. If not, we don't know where to go. Or if not, we don't know which house to rent, like when we go on vacation. Like, so I make all the decisions, and they're like, oh, he always wants to be in control of everything. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm just being decisive. I'm being decisive. We got to get this going. So in their case, I make decisions for them because they fail to make them for themselves. So if you have family members like that, don't be so hard on them. They're just trying to get the ball rolling. They're just trying to get things done. All right? Okay? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Justin. We must make that decision. Our world, our society, or other people will choose from you. Commitment does not come from indecisiveness. It does not happen like that. Wake up, church. We need to make a decision today to commit ourselves to God. Right, Kingston? Look, my grandson's like, that's right. That's what, that's, what, that's what he said in baby language. That's what he said in baby language. Second thing is, this morning, is that we need uh, all the examples that we talked about, this, they, they gave something up to fully dedicate themselves and commit their lives to God. We must be willing to sacrifice whatever gets in our way. Ooh, this is rough, man. Oh, but that sounds so, so cold-hearted, Pastor. I, listen, you know, <laughs> um, whatever gets in your way, you, you just got to push it to the side. You just got to push it to the side. It's, it's stopping you from going from where you need to be, Right? If it's, if it's stopping your way, it's getting your way from total commitment to God, you need to push it out of the way and continue your commitment to God. And you know what? I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you a secret. I'm going to tell you a secret. I believe that if you totally commit yourself to God, you push the things that are hindering you. And if it's people, people that are hindering you out of the way, when God continues to work in you, he will give you opportunity to then go back and help these people that you had to push out of the way. 
You see, there's a difference between abandoning people, but there's a difference between you need to get out of my way because God is trying to do something in my life right now. Do you understand that? Remember, remember uh, total commitment. We got th- things that are going to get are going to get in our way have to get out. I told the story about uh, the, the explorer Cortez that when he went to when he landed in Mexico, uh, 500 men got off the ships and he went back and he burned the ships. Right, that was the thing that would have hindered their total commitment to making sure that their campaign in Mexico would succeed. Well, guess what? Now they have no ships to go back, so they got to make it work. They got to make it work. Sometimes we need to burn the things down that we're holding on to as a crutch, right? So that we keep going back to as our comfort zone, right? Like, oh, there's Indians here. Let me, drum, let me back, get back on the ship where I'm safe, right? We're, let me not fully commit to the mission. Let me jump back on the ship. But sometimes we need to burn those ships in our lives. There's no going back. Y'all know what happened when, wife's lot, when, wife's, when Lot's wife looked back. We need, com- we need commitment. But in our day to where today, we don't see commitment, right? We don't see commitment. Everything's temporary. Everything's temporary. You know, marriage, I get it. It's not easy. It's not easy. I would be here lying to you. I mean, she walked out right now, but I would say if she was here, I would be lying to you if I said that our marriage was perfect. But it takes commitment. It takes commitment and trusting God through it all. Commitment. People walk away. There's no commitment. There's no sacrifice. Church has become a temporary thing. People walk away. There's no sacrifice. People, I'm here right now. Some of y'all are like, oh, I don't know. I'm passing a little too much today. I'm going to have to go find another church where they made me feel nice and fuzzy in the inside. I mean, I don't know. Pastor's sermon today didn't make me feel better about myself. It didn't make me feel better about myself. In fact, it kind of made me feel like, like, I don't know, like there's a lot of areas in my life that I got to work on. Good. Wake up. Wake, hey, yo, throw Justin a mic, yo. <laughs> Wake up. This is the thing. What happens is we're living in a time that people get offended so easily when you tell them the truth and they leave and they go to another church and then they're told the truth there and then they leave that one and go to another church and they go to another church and before you know it, you never commit to a church family. You know, some of y'all probably was like, oh, commitment, he's going to talk about church attendance. Listen, I've been talking about church attendance since I got here with y'all. Your commitment to Christ, right? Your commitment to Christ, some of the after effects of that is your attendance here. If you are fully committed, then some of, the, some of the side effects of your commitment is showing up on a Sunday. I mean, I mean you know, people say, oh, you know, it's not hard to put a day aside for the Lord. I'm not asking for a day. We're here all day or we're here for two hours. Two hours. And if that's too hard for you, if that's too much for you, then you got to self-evaluate what are you committed to? What are you committed to? First, I ask your commitment to God, and then I ask your commitment to this church family. And what that looks like trickles down. I shouldn't have to stand here begging, saying our children need more teachers. We need more ushers. 
We need people to help fix the chairs because y'all know I got OCD, and every time they're crooked, it drives me nuts. <laughs> I shouldn't have to, yeah, ask for those things. It should be a side effect of your commitment to Christ. Yo, pastor, I got to do something. What, what can I do? What can I do this Sunday? Yo, pastor, you know what? I, I, I want to get more involved. Yo, pastor, you know, I just, it, I, I'm good at this. I'm good at this. I'm good at this. How can I use this in church? How can I use this for God? I shouldn't have to be pulling teeth for those things. I should, have a lo- I should have a waiting list is what I should have. We got to rotate some people because everybody wants to serve. Thank you. The sound booth is like, that's right. <laughs> we need more people in the sound booth. God is temporary now. We worship God when it's convenient. When it's convenient, we worship God. And when, we, when things don't go our way, we say, ah, oh, screw this. I, 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 yo, that's the most backward thinking. You know, I have, and I know not everybody was raised by me, but I know that I swayed from God and, and I walked away. But when I was going through some things in my life, it, it, it like pulled me back to my knees. Like running back to God. Like, God, I know I haven't been serving you the way I should have, but I need you. And now we're living in a society where everything's backwards. When I find someone not here for two or three months or four months, and then I'm like, well, and, and I call them, like, oh, I'm just going through something right now. I, I know that. Why are you not here? Why are you not here? If you're going through something, this is the best place to be. We got you. We love you. We have things. We have to leave things of the world behind us if we're going to get we're going to get uh, committed to God. Luke 9, 57 to 62 says, As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in, birds have nests. The Son of Man has no place to lay, lay his head. And he said, he said to another person, Come and follow me. The man agreed, but, uh, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first, let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Anyone who puts their hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. One last time. And anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit, not fit, not fit for the kingdom of God. Wait a minute. What? Oh, man. If you cannot commit to God completely, if you can't give him all your life, if you can't give him your whole heart, if you can't give him your desires, your dreams, your, your wants, if you can't give him all that, and commit to him, your service in the kingdom of God is useless. Useless. I didn't say it. He said it. Jesus told him. So we can't even say, oh, but that was Paul. Oh, but that was this. Oh, I mean, you know, you know we can't even say that. We can't say that. Jesus said these words. 
You are not fit for the kingdom if you cannot commit all that you are on the inside and on the out. Because some of us, oh, we commit it when we talk in front of people. We commit it when we are doing things in front of people. We're committed when we show up on a Sunday, right, so everybody can think. But then what happens in the inside? What happens in your houses? What happens during the week? Where did the commitment go? If you are not fully committed, it's all useless in the kingdom of God. You may have to give up things, give up some people, give up, you might have to give up some jobs. We might have to give up our selfishness. We might have to give up our self-centeredness. We got, we got to give up a lot. Commitment requires complete and total, total devotion and giving anything up that hinders our relationship with God. The third thing is that um, it was commitment, not a contribution. I'm going to talk about this real quick. Ruth didn't, Ruth didn't make a contribution to Naomi's life. A contribution would have been like, hey, I'm with you now because I'm married to your son. I'm contributing my life to you at this moment. Now your son is dead. I'm leaving. I made my contribution to the family when it was a season. Now I'm done. She didn't make a contribution. She made a commitment. She stayed by her side. Paul didn't just preach a message of the gospel when it was convenient. He didn't just contribute uh, a, a quick little sermon here and there. He was committed. He gave his life. So did Stephen. Others throughout history we see that gave, there's, his, there's people in history, martyrs, that gave their lives completely. You saw how committed they were to God. What's the difference between contributing and committing? The good example is made with two of the most favorite things that people eat for breakfast, eggs and bacon. Ah. Eggs and bacon. We see, with eggs, the hen contributed to the breakfast, right? With the bacon, the pig gave his life. <laughs> he gave his life. He was all in. He was all in. He was committed. Are you contributing or are you committed? Are you an egg or are you some bacon? Oh, that's funny. That's funny. That's a big difference. He doesn't want a contribution from you. He wants it all. He wants it all. God has called us to commitment, not to contribution. Sometimes we even think, like, if I just, if I just teach a class or if I just give an offering— or if I just, you know, help out every once in a while, I'm good. I'm good. Almost like if you're paying for your salvation. Almost like you're paying for your salvation. Being truly committed. I, I, and when we do that, it's, it's, you're really making a mockery of Christianity. Make a mockery of the church, of God. Being truly committed is much more than just attending church. Like I, 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 listen, I said it's a side effect. That's why this sermon wasn't focused on church attendance, right? It's a side effect. It's something deeper. Your commitment to Christ is more important than you showing up here on a Sunday. However, because of your commitment to Christ, you will show up here on a Sunday. Does that make sense? We need to stop playing church. And start living church. 
Now, I'm not saying that those contributions are bad things. We need those things. We need people to teach classes. We need people to, to, to tithe into the church and offerings and things like that. We do need to, uh, people to serve and, uh, and straighten the chair so pastor doesn't lose his mind, right? That's like the, t- maybe somebody will pick it up. That's, that's the second time I'm saying it, right? <laughs> we need those things. We need those things, Right? But our commitment in our spiritual lives is important. And that is shown through our individual behavior. It's shown through our personal integrity. You know what integrity is? Integrity is doing what's right when nobody is looking. You got to ask yourself, are you a person of integrity or not? Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself. Are you a person of integrity? And if not, guess what? Now you know that you're not today, and let's work on it. Let's work on it. Don't get stuck on it like, oh, man, I'm all messed up. Okay, good, good, good. Now let's, let, let's, let's move past this. Complete and total devotion. That was how the church in the first century thrived. Y'all, you know... I think every pastor's dream is for the church to reflect the first century church. That's every pastor's dream. The church of Acts. The church of Acts. But you know how the church of Acts got the way that they were? Chapter 2, verse 42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the word of God. They devoted themselves to fellowship and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Complete and total commitment to God. There was no halfway point. There, was no, there, there, there were no things getting in the way. There was no things getting in the way. There's four things that you see in that verse. It shows their devotion, their devotion to the church, their devotion to Scripture, their devotion to prayer, their devotion to breaking bread together. Communion, some versions, some, some versions say communion. They were devoted to these things. Are you, are you devoted to God? Are you devoted to your church? Are you devoted to fellowship with one another? Do you know what it looks like to be devoted to your church? This is the quick, I mean, maybe in March when we have our meeting, we'll go into, de- we'll go into further discussion about this, but... To be devoted to your church is to hear what God is saying to our church, right? And then you take those words that God is saying to our church, right? And then you blast them in your platform. You blast them in your circles. You blast them within your, within your groups. Because what's happening is we have a responsibility to, to, to all be aligned in the vision that God has for this church. I was talking to somebody, I forget, I'm sorry. One, I was talking to one of the men. I said, listen, imagine a car that broke down. And it's, got like, it's got like five or ten ropes sticking out so everybody can grab a piece of the rope and pull the car, right? But imagine what happens is, I, was talking, I think I was talking to Mark. And then what happens is every guy, you got ten guys grabbing a piece of the rope, right? But then instead of everybody moving in the same direction, every man moves in their own direction. Where does that car go? Nowhere. Same thing happens within the body of Christ when we have everyone going in different directions. 
We need to be united in what God is speaking to our church and be united in moving forward. Because if not, eventually I start cutting ropes. Uh, let me not say I. God starts cutting ropes because he ha- his will will be done. His will will be done. Man, Justin's on fire. Justin, you got to put Justin right here next time. <laughs> lastly, 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 they remain committed to God regardless of how other people acted or treated with them. Regardless, regardless, regardless. They didn't, they didn't give out or give in during peer, to, peer, to peer pressure. Um, Daniel was thrown in the lion's den because of his commitment. John the Baptist was beheaded because of his commitment. And we said Stephen was stoned. You know, we saw, we saw that Paul and Barnabas, they, they, they were, like, again, imprisoned and everything. The world around us will persecute us, but guess what? Guess what? At least at this point, they're not going to kill us for it. We have it easy compared to a lot of the people that were persecuted and killed for their commitment to the gospel. We may be mocked, we may be ridiculed, we may be labeled, but right now, at least right now, we are not being killed for spreading the gospel. Why are we not doing it? Colossians 3:23 says, "And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. The reason why we can stay committed to something once you make a decision is that you remind yourself that you don't do this for people. Let me tell you a little secret about, I'll tell you, I'm I'm letting you into into the pastor life a little bit, right? Let me tell you a little bit, a secret about a lot of pastors, even me occasionally. There are times that pastors will feel depressed, they will get um, discouraged, they don't want to continue doing what they're doing. And one of the main things that reminds us and encourages us and motivates us to stay committed is the fact that we're reminded that as much as I love you all, I'm not doing this for you. As much as I love all of you in this place, I'm not standing here doing these things or calling you or visiting just because of you. I'm doing this because he called me to do this. And now everything that I do, I do it unto the Lord. I do it for him. And because I'm doing it for him, I'm going to stay committed to what he's called me to do. But when we serve in ministry for man, when you serve in ministry to please people, when you serve in ministry so you can look good, What happens is (laughs) the storms come, the waves crash, and all of a sudden, like, oh, no, this is not for me. This is not for me. Understand who you do what you do for and understand that who you are, and that will help you stay committed. Committed. Satan doesn't want the church to just be committed. You know, listen, Satan's okay with you being committed to God when when it's convenient. He's okay with that. You know that, right? Satan is all good. Like when things are going good in your life, he's good with you being good with God when things are good. Because what he does is he lets you get comfortable, lets you get good, all happy, and then he goes, bam! He's like, (laughs) how about now? Same way he did with Job. Let's see. Let's see what happens now. Yeah. 
The world does not want us to remain faithful through times of adversity, struggles, and attacks. But if these things test our faith, they test our commitment, and if you remain true, our faith is stronger. In closing, in closing, this morning, these godly people, they demonstrated for us what commitment looks like. And church, we need to wake up our commitment to God. I feel like, I feel like I'm begging you guys to wake up. I feel during these last three weeks that we started this, I have to say like there have been moments I've been reflecting and I'm like, man, I know I'm not feeling a tenth of what Jeremiah must have felt. But Jeremiah was constantly trying to tell the people, wake up. You, like, like he was saying, wake up. Like he was trying to tell them, like, you know, you got, no one's listening to me. And he would turn, and the Bible, you could read it in his book. You could read it in the book of Jeremiah. He would turn back to God like, they're not listening to me. And they call him the weeping prophet because he's crying. And he's crying because he knows how, first of all, I believe it's a mixture of things. One, he's worn out. He's telling, he's always telling people. He's always telling me. He's always shouting. He's always shouting. They're not listening. And that's, that's frustrating. Another thing is he knows that they're going to die without God. We should wake up and it should bother us. There are people around us that are dying without God. There's family members, there's friends, there's co-workers that don't serve the Lord, that are lost. It should bother you. Especially if you say that you accepted Christ into your heart. You're a disciple of Christ. It should bother you. Because you know where you're going. So what, you're good now? Oh, well, I did my, I did my thing. I'm, I did my thing with God. I'm good. So it doesn't matter the lives around you? How can you say you love them? How can you say you love them? Hell is real, people. It's real. In our world, there's a lot of trash talking that goes around on the internet. Today, there's a lot of trash talking going on today. I wonder why. There's a lot of trash talking going on today. <laughs> But we see that, and we see people so quick to stand up, especially on social media platforms. So bold. That's right. And then you see you arguing with a thousand people in different parts of the world. You know how people argue on the internet, go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Oh, you bold for that. But you can't stand up bold in person for Christ? For the things that really matter? It's easy to be committed when the commitment doesn't require a sacrifice. It doesn't require you to change something in your life. It's harder to be committed when you actually have to live out that life. You know how it is. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll be there. But then the day you got to show up, it's like, oh, I got to show up and I actually show up, right? You have, to, have to, you have to get ready. You have to move. We see many examples today. We talked about people that were committed to God, but the Bible also gives us examples of people that could not commit we see it in the book of Mark, chapter 10, when Jesus was talking with the rich young ruler. In this story, Jesus is telling this guy, I mean, the guy goes to Jesus, like he's got, it, he's got his whole, uh, he's got his, his, uh, his presentation all done. He's like, hey, Jesus, what's up? I want to follow you. Just so you know, I, 
I follow the Ten Commandments. I lived a good life. I'm not a bad person. I've never done anything wrong. And he, he goes down his resume. Oh, he had his resume ready for Jesus. That's what he did. He had his resume ready to show Jesus how good of a person he was. And Jesus was like, oh, that's what's up. He's like, check this out. All your riches and stuff, give them away and, then, and, then, and let's go. Give them all to the poor and, and follow me. Let's go. Because <laughs> God, Jesus knew that that was the one thing he had left that was keeping from fully committing to him. What, what did he do? He was like, wait, 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 what? Wait, you want me to? Oh, no, no, I, I, I donate. I donate every once in a while. I'm good. No, no, give it all up and follow me. He lowered his head and he walked away because he could not do that. He could not give up the one thing that was keeping him from following Jesus, fully committed to Jesus. What is holding you back today? Church, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet, please. We want to pray with you this morning. We want to pray with you. What is holding us back from completely committing our lives to God today? What is holding you back? If you're going to make a difference in this world, we need to wake up and commit and surrender our lives to God. Church, I'm begging you. I'm begging you. I'm not comfortable staying stuck and stagnant. I will never be comfortable being where we are, always where we're at in our walk with God. Some of you guys are like, there's got to be more to this walk with God. Some of you guys have said, there's got to be something else. Like, okay, we go up, you know, we, 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 we feel good and God does something and he answers, but there's got to be more. There is more. There's much more that he has in store for Lighthouse. Are we committed as a church? Are we committed? What are we committed to? What are we committed to? I understand it's not just a lighthouse thing. I know a lot of pastors are, are dealing with the same thing when it comes to sporadic church attendance. But what that shows is the condition of our, of our nation, the condition of people these days. What is taking priority in your life? I have committed myself to doing what God has called me to do. And guess what? I wake up on some Sunday mornings, I'm like, I could really use five more hours of sleep. This is the only day maybe I could sleep in. This is the only day I don't have something going on. You know what? I would love to. My wife just said it this morning. Man, we could just have one day to just sleep in. But guess what? We shake it off. We get up because we are committed to Christ, committed to what he's called us to do. He's called each and every one of us He's put talents. He's put gifts in you. Not so that we can start off in church, develop them, and then go to the world like many of the secular artists that we see. Half of those secular artists started in church. The gifts that God has given you is for the edification of this body. This body. Look around. Some of, some of us have gifts and talents that God wants you to use in this church. Some of you guys are gifted, our teachers, our mentors. Some of you guys have just a love, a compassion, hospitality. 
It's for the edification of this body. It's not to bring divisiveness. It's not to, to, to create cliques. It's not to, none of that. It shouldn't, that should not exist. If we surrender our lives completely to God and stand for everything for which God stands for, he will change your life. It will change your life. Jesus kept his commitment to us. Jesus kept his commitment to us because Jesus came to earth to die for you and me. He fulfilled his commitment. You guys know the story when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was crying, God, Father God, please, if there's any other way to pass this cup from me, like if there's any other way, get it done. But he got up from there and he still fulfilled his commitment to you and I. And he died on that cross, giving his life for you and me. On the third day, he rose and he conquered death. And Jesus did all of this so that on a day like today, we can say, I surrender all. I surrender all. I surrender all. And I commit my life to you today. I know some of you have accepted Christ. I know that not, not, you know, there's a lot of people here that are already following him. But are you fully committed? And guess what? If the answer is no, I'm not, I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to be upset with you. But we're here to embrace you and we're here to pray for you so that God can help you in your, to solidify that commitment in your life. It's time to wake up, church. And the time is now. It's now. It's now.